What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Let's kick this thing off. Chris Ashenden is a serial entrepreneur, a health and fitness expert, an investor, and a world traveler. He is the founder of Athletic Greens, an all-in-one supplement that industry experts swear by as their nutritional insurance policy. In this conversation, we discuss the importance of food and sleep, nutritional disorders, fad diets, learning versus experimentation, immune system support, quantified self, essentialism, and building the eight-figure Athletic Greens business. I really enjoyed this conversation with Chris, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is BlockFi. As you know, I'm an investor, I sit on the board, and I'm a very happy user. BlockFi has three products today. They offer US dollar loans against your crypto collateral, they offer no fee trading on their crypto exchange, and they offer a high yield interest account where you can earn up to 8.6% APY. Go check out BlockFi today. You can go to blockfi.com slash pomp. Again, high yield interest accounts, US dollar loans, and no fee trading. The business is growing like a weed, and I highly suggest you check it out. BlockFi.com slash pump. Next up is Choice. They're a new self-directed IRA product that I'm really excited about. If you're listening to this, you're likely part of the 7.1 million Bitcoin owners who have retirement accounts with dollars in them, but not Bitcoin. I used to be in that situation too, but not anymore, thanks to Choice. Now you can actually buy real Bitcoin in your retirement account. I'm talking about owning your private keys and using tax advantage dollars to do it too absolute game changer, a self-directed IRA product that allows you to buy Bitcoin, hold the private keys, and use tax advantage dollars to do it. Whenever somebody asks you now, how do I buy Bitcoin in my retirement account? Tell them to go use choice. So you can head over to retirewithchoice.com slash pump. Again, retirewithchoice.com slash pump. Go check it out. Lastly, don't forget that I write a daily letter to over 50,000 investors about business technology and finance. I break down complex topics into easy to understand language while sharing my personal opinion on various aspects of each industry. You can subscribe at pompletter.com. Again, pompletter.com. All right, let's get into this episode with Chris. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I'm really, really excited to uh, have Chris here today. So thanks so much for doing this, sir. Thank you so much for having me, Pomp. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, I have been drinking Athletic Greens now for a while. Uh, and as people who listen to the podcast know, uh, I almost never, ever talk about anything that uh, I put in my body other than uh, than Domino's uh, every Saturday. Uh, but I got to say that uh, it has quickly become a, a staple. Um, so I'm excited to kind of hear the story. But maybe let's get into uh, your background first. Uh, you got an accent, so uh, you're, you're not coming from uh, from the United States. Uh, where'd you grow up, and kind of what'd you do before Athletic Greens? Well, thank you for the kind words. So I'm from New Zealand. I have the moniker Kiwi because when I first moved to the U.S., 
people kept saying which Chris, Kiwi Chris, and then just kind of became Kiwi and kind of just went after. I gave up fighting it and just went, fuck it, I'll go with Kiwi. And it's stuck, uh, particularly in the North American environment. But I'm from New Zealand. My parents are world travelers. I uh, had seven years in Japan growing up. I'd been to 43, 44 countries by the time I was 12, 13, traveled the world, and uh, but had most of my adolescent years growing up in New Zealand and went, had an obsession with being Bruce Lee, sport. Uh, all those typical fun things you do when you're a teenager and ended up going to Auckland University and studying for a Bachelor of Science in Sport and Exercise Science, which has been my lifelong passion, has been that health and fitness piece. I dropped out of that to start a, a supplement company, which went under, uh, and I promptly felt sorry for myself and did odd jobs for a number of years before eventually returning to the entrepreneurial journey, always with a passion for health and fitness. But my first sort of forays back into business weren't health and fitness related. They were um, property and finance related and um, continued reading, learning, always thinking I was up to date on the health and fitness piece and ended up uh, really sick. I was a pretty competitive rugby player, played sport to a reasonable level. I was no great athlete by any means. You far exceeded me, man, if you were playing college football, but you get the piece. I was just living what I thought was the correct manner and applying sort of a 90, 10% rule to how I was living, which was a 90% do everything right. And in theory, the other 10% won't matter. And I, I got really sick. I was continually sick my whole life growing up. I was having three or four doses of antibiotics, typically a year, and eventually hit a catalyst where um, I was just sort of looking in the mirror one day. I was actually in Uruguay with some friends for on a holiday, and I'd just gotten off the plane and I'd gotten sick again. And I heard someone yelling out, where's the Kiwi? And I was like, he's upstairs coughing. And someone like, he's the black lung. And black lung stuck with me for two hours. I went, bugger this. I'm going to take ownership of this and just go figure out what's going on. So that led me down a sort of new journey all over again, down the health and fitness piece. So I ended up at a clinic in Phoenix with some very smart people running tens of thousands of dollars of tests on every blood test, stool test, saliva test that you can imagine. That was about 2008. And on the outside of that, uh, ended up on a customized my blood chemistry $100 a day uh, sort of supplement regime. And it had turned out that I just wasn't absorbing nutrients properly. And uh, it just really challenged a lot of my assumptions around what is good health, how should we be eating, uh, how should we be absorbing nutrients, what does it even look like. And the somewhat short version of that story, man, is I ended up uh, putting a whole bunch of things into one place together with the help of some really smart people and formulating this product. Uh, called Athletic Greens, which I, I don't claim to be the key and king scientist behind it. I'm the entrepreneur who put it together and took it to market and made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I'm proud to be behind a do-good brand, a do-good business that a lot of people like yourself have adopted as a key daily habit and, and are sort of getting the benefit that I originally wanted for myself. So it's been an interesting journey. For sure. And, and I guess part of this is um, I'm fascinated by people who travel a lot. Right. And so when you were young, uh, you kind of are in this uh, weird situation where uh, your parents dictate where, where you go, right? What you eat, where you go, every, everything about your life is, uh, is these uh, people's responsibility. Uh, yours took you around the world, right? For, for all intents and purposes in terms of a lot of uh, travel. Talk a little bit about how that, um, in hindsight, kind of forms your world perspective and maybe the advantages that, uh, that, that it gave you over, over other people who didn't have that experience. It's an interesting question. I've heard you mention at other points uh, in some of your other interviews. And by the way, I love your podcast. I only discovered it this year, mate, and it's become a staple. So thank you for 
just keeping your mind so open as you explore your own growth and also the areas that are interesting to you. I, I love listening. The Look, I won the lottery with my parents. I'm just unbelievably grateful to the phenomenal nuclear family I have and their desire to expose us to different experiences. Luckily for me, uh, my dad ended up getting an opportunity to go first study and then work in Japan. So we had this experience living in a completely foreign culture at a time when there still weren't that many foreigners there. If you went to the boonies, you sort of pointed at and stared at and laughed at. I was this random blonde head kid back then. And you just get an idea that we are part of a global citizenry and we have far more in common than we have differences. And people are people. And the vast majority of people are, are wonderful, great, warm people. And that was just reinforced in the nearly one year backpacking we did uh, with my dad with his big pack, my mum's smaller backpack, and just kept coming down to my little sister's like mini backpack. And where we just got exposed and they intentionally exposed us to multiple third world countries, um, live, roughing it in backpackers, but also some, some great experiences with cultures and, and places like Kenya and on some parts of like Cairo and the Middle East. So it was, it was really amazing. And it does open your eyes to the commonalities. And it also made us really good, all of us at making friends. Like everyone in my family is amazing at making friends. We're just interested to see where are the commonalities instantly. And my mother's probably the world's best rapport builder. And, and man, I, 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 can't, I can't say enough the importance for young people to be exposed to foreign cultures in a format whereby they are the guests in someone else's house and society and just experience that as, as an eye opener. Yeah. And, and so are there any like uh, specific memories you have that you, you feel like were formative uh, moments during that time of travel? Right there, there, are, there are many. I can give you one a little bit later because I've, I've traveled many times. I was in Morocco and had just left a town called Fez, which is this amazing Medina. Walking to the Medina in, in Morocco is like walking back 800 years in, in the course of 100 meters. But I stopped on the side of the road and asked, two young girls for directions and my girlfriend at the time uh, sort of said to them, how do we get from here to there? And they told us and they looked at each other and they just said, we'll show you. So these two girls jumped in the back of our car and we're driving towards this, I think we're going to the train station and they're like, where are you staying? Uh, we don't have a place that like, you have to come to our house. So they'd gone out and bought one breeder. We didn't know it was to feed the whole family. Demanded that we come to their house and it was kind of on the way. So we said, okay, that's fine. So we go in, they get out of the car, dad and mom come out and say, these people are going to stay here. <laughs> and they're like, okay, that's great. That's fine. So they invite us into this house, which is this incredibly humble one room house. It's just incredible. It's a one room house. The toilets are hole in the floor. The, the sort of the chairs in the house are basically uh, beds that are along the side of the wall that they have squabs on that people sit on during the day. And then they lie on and sleep during the night. They gave us that burrito to eat. We didn't know that was their meal to be cut up, um, a, like a loaf of bread with Nutella. I didn't know I was allergic to wheat. Then I smashed the Nutella. And then I started realizing this, these guys have literally given us uh, everything that they were tend to eat tonight uh, without a thought, without knowing us. And it really touched me, man. And uh, there's this lovely old guy living there and just had this amazing cultural experience and just realized the hospitality of these people is just like nothing else. So the next morning, woke up, uh, took all these amazing photos and ro rocked off, got them all printed out, laminated, posted up, bought a ton of Nutella, um, like loaves and loaves of bread, came back. And they did not want us to give them any of the food. They just, but man, were they happy with the photos. And it was just this warm, touching experience. And just made me realize, you, you don't know 
you, you don't know anything until you've experienced uh, what life is like for someone else who's less fortunate than you and realize just how much humanity there is to be shared with the world as opposed to us versus them, I think. That's an awesome story. It, it, it's uh, it, it's also this thing I think of just, uh, it's really cool to see humans who don't really speak the same language, come from different cultures, just genuinely want to help each other, right? And and I think that's part of, uh, part of the beauty of that story. Yeah, well, I don't know about yourself, man. When you've gone traveling and you've done a bit, have you had some of those experiences as well? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, all right, let's get into uh, Athletic Greens. Um, one of the the key pieces, so uh, you and I haven't talked about this before, but uh, up until maybe two years ago, I did everything uh, that you shouldn't do. I drank all the time. I barely slept didn't care what I ate. Um, you know, I played football in college. So it was you know, pretty much healthy enough and could do whatever I wanted and was a young guy. Uh, about two years ago, though, started to become more interested in uh, the food I was putting in my body, sleeping, drinking water, kind of all, all the like really, really basic stuff. Uh, and I, the way I tell the story now is like just sleeping alone, right? Just sleeping eight hours a night completely changed everything. Just drinking enough water, right? just cutting out some of the garbage, like each one of these like very small um, changes had a massive impact. And so maybe talk a little bit, I've heard you say before, like the importance of the food specifically, right? And kind of how that's the the core value that uh, many people just one, they don't understand Two, they don't have the discipline to kind of follow, but just how important uh, before you get into supplementation, all this stuff, like the importance of food to uh, your overall health and well being. So good question. Interesting that you've had that experience. I wonder how much of that was the catalyst of your now now wife joining the pump team. I, I would suspect a fair amount. Mate, so it's it's a great question. It's interesting how you've noticed that the application of some core habits have led to a compounding effect. And I have a couple of frameworks that I look at sort of health and wellness. And there's two different pieces really. One, if you consider an old-fashioned green to red needle meter, where you have dark green on one side. And it kind of steadily gets lighter green, yellow, then to bright red on the other side. And you can put on the dark green side uh, youth um, and uh, lack of insults. And then amount of time that you've been doing all the other things correctly that are kind of in line with the way we were ultimately designed and, and evolved. And on the other side, the red side, you have old age, uh, insults, and then the amount of time you've had some, many or other of these different uh, pieces not the way they should be and I think if you just consider this green to red meter as you then take into consideration all the different buckets that you kind of want to apply that are in line with our evolutionary norm and I think a lot of people don't truly realize the impact of cumulative insults where we're doing things that aren't quite right and the cumulative impact of like repetitive habits, relatively small things, but the few things that ultimately move that needle are done continuously. And you have everything from sleep, stress, light exposure, vitamin D, uh, movement, outdoor activity, how much you socialize, uh, your sense of community. And then you have the whole food piece. And once you get into the food piece, you have um, sort of the macro piece, which is where you may be eating uh, highly refined foods with proportions of bad fats and fast sugars way out of whack with anything we should be consuming. 
and you have the micronutrient piece and you have uh, things that might inflame you. So just kind of in broad strokes, if you have your macros lined up in such a way that they don't destroy you from a sort of metabolic health piece and you have your micronutrients lined up in such a way that you're absorbing or putting into your mouth what you kind of need to function properly. And then you have uh, the inflammatory pieces, which, which is where you're either not eating or eating sufficient things that lead to a, a healthy inflammatory environment. So with those kind of things in mind, you then say, okay, how does what you eat really impact? And you might say, well, if you're continually screwing with your, your blood sugar and you're eating things that tear up your gut or inflame you for any reason, and you're not getting in enough quality, uh, typically protein and then clean nutrition around the micronutrients, then you're in for a bit of a rough road. And I think when it comes to like, just understand that those three things are massive and they, and they all tie in together. And with the athletic greens piece, it's just this understanding that you need a lot of things in your body to be working correctly. This idea that it's just the big things, protein, carbs, fats, or isolatedly the various micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals, and that just kind of smash them in hodgepodge is fine is being thoroughly thrown out. And I think the understanding is uh, much more around, look, you need to kind of reduce the insults you make here while maximizing your body's ability to work properly for an extended period of time. And where Athletic Greens comes in and sort of this idea of whole food-based nutrition comes in is one, without screwing the pooch on the, the macronutrients and the inflammation piece. So just consider metabolic health, blood sugar, obesity on one side and the inflammatory piece on the other side. How do you make sure uh, that your body's getting the smaller pieces, the micronutrients it needs and using them properly? And there's kind of three parts to that. You're either not getting enough in, uh, in your mouth, you're not consuming enough, or you're not absorbing enough or your body's not using them properly. And any one of those three, and I think most people, particularly if they have those other different sort of buckets misaligned, uh, will be way off um, on a modern lifestyle in, in nearly all of those three. So there's this principle of, it's a long-term principle of synergy and the understanding of, uh, I think a guy called uh, Bruce Ames has a theory on triage, which is if you're short of certain things or some parts of your body aren't working correctly, you are prone to uh, strip and pull from other areas to ensure your body's prime directors of you, if you will, of sort of surviving and basic reproductive health are met, but at long-term expense of, of other things. And what, what I think is sort of important to people is to understand that I went and formulated a product that really worked hard on making sure that you got enough in your mouth, that you absorbed it, and that inside your body, most things were working uh, they're all like getting gentle touches to make things work as well as possible, but it's no holy grail. <laughs> Food is first. You got to get everything lined up. And then what you've learned is that you actually need to line up all these other buckets at the same time. So I'm just very, very quick to point out food is first Own your lifestyle pieces. There's no magic silver bullet. And with that underway, um, you can look to, to move from sort of surviving to thriving to really optimizing whatever your outcome is. Does that yeah, makes sense, man. It makes a ton of sense, and, and I think part of what um, you know is always so funny to me is uh, you see somebody they'll go to the gym, right, and they'll go run two miles, three miles, and then they get done and they go eat, you know, a cheeseburger, right? And and it's kind of like you're you're, uh, 
disconnecting. You, you know that you should work out and expend energy and sweat and uh, you feel good when you're d- done doing it, all these things, but then you go and you almost give back all of the, the benefit of it immediately. Right. And, and uh, part of uh, what is, I think, the, the journey or the learning uh, exercise for a lot of people is how do I actually attack the you know, social health uh, or mental health stuff? How do I attack the nutrition side? How do I track, uh, attack the uh, exercise side, the sleep? Like there's all of these different components and where I, th- I think the world is going and you guys are obviously a leading example of this is uh, helping people do this stuff easier, right? So there's a lot of people who, you know, sat down and spent hours and hours and hours and hours over many, many years learning every intricate detail of everything that they should know, uh, and then trying to optimize their life around it, right? The truth is just most people don't have that time and energy and, and, or self-motivation to go learn all of that. Instead, what we're seeing is we're seeing people take that knowledge, right? Basically package it into um, very easy to use um, things like Athletic Greens, uh, where you say, look, we know that you need these you know, 75 plus vitamins, minerals, um, et cetera. How do we make this something that people don't even have to think about it? Right. It's just we we know we're delivering it. So maybe talk a little bit, not so much about like the the formula, but this idea of building a product that regardless of what's in it, you can actually make it usable for people and and, and kind of uh, ensure that it's not a okay, I'll try it one time and then I give up on it because it's just too too difficult or too much friction in my life. So it's a good well, it's a good question, man. I can talk to that. There's a couple of pieces there as well. So talk about your buddy who probably rhymes like Pomp two years ago, who goes to the gym, eats a cheeseburger, and then maybe sits down for 16 hours of the day. And you say, okay, what's he doing right? What's he doing wrong? Maybe he stays up looking at a blue screen until 11 o'clock at night and sleeps five or six hours, doesn't really care, uh, just keeps pounds more coffee and repeats. Now, if you look at that kind of piece, I think you, you can say, well, what's he doing as a positive input? Go to the gym, exercise, great. Post-workout, uh, smashing a cheeseburger, yeah, not so great. The subsequent sitting down all day, uh, not, not good. The staring at the screen until late at night, not good. And I think that it's one of the elements I think that it's important to understand that getting your health and your health span or your performance kind of ducks in a row requires both a basic willingness to take ownership of the outcome and then the daily habits that actually make a difference. And it's not really a case of do more and more and more. I love the Bruce Lee quote, like it's not daily increase, it's daily decrease, like hack away the unessential. I am absolutely an essentialist at heart. And one of the things that uh, really pisses me off about the entire industry that I'm in is that most, most of the brands out there, most of the business out there sell ineffectual products, in some cases relatively harmful products, they try to drive just off trends. They don't really differentiate around anything. And they don't really focus on solving uh, core pre problems. I mean, if you walk into a Whole Foods and look at a shelf in the so-called supplement section, it's like 400 things and you have no idea uh, what you should probably be taking unless someone's told you to go in or maybe a friend of yours said, hey, go go and take this stuff. So, And Whole Foods, is, the world's come a long way in the 10 years since since we've been in business in terms of getting better and better quality and nutrients more readily available in the supplement world. I mean, it was serious, utter rubbish for a long time and still is in, in most cases. So when I, when I got people to help me ultimately formulate athletic greens, it was 
I want to get the super bundle supplement and make it as easy and simple as possible. So instead of my 100 horse pills a day, I want one thing a day. And instead of a whole bunch of relatively ineffectual synthetic isolates, I want to get as many things working well together as possible. And this massive nutrient dense, this principle of nutrient density is important, bolus of nutrition that does as many good things for me as possible in one go, such that if I wasn't going to do anything else uh, supplemental to my food and just take one thing, it would be this. And that's what we built. And that's why, I mean, we have different groups of people who, who love us and some are the high performance or the athletic population. Some are the go forward achievers who frequently are centralists, but kind of want the best. And the other is the health or health span focus uh, focus folks who are looking really to maximize health span. And many people are all three. So that essentialist principle uh, combined with it's the key daily habits. There's no hack. There's no shortcut. There's it's just do the basics like it's like running a business do the basics well uh, and just daily execute daily on the key habits that are actually going to make a difference and let those benefits compound and it's daily habits literally drive success in everything and health and nutrition is no exception yeah well one of the uh really interesting parts uh of health and nutrition in general to me is it seems like there's fads right they come they go uh many times they're ideas that are not new they've just been repackaged under a new name with some you know new leader who, who's kind of pushing that uh, thought process um but as we know with let's say diets for example uh most people think of them as a finite amount of time so i'm going to go on a diet for 2 weeks 3 you know uh 3 months or whatever it is maybe it's there's an event that i want to go right i'm in college and i'm going to go on spring break or i've got uh, a wedding coming up or, or whatever it is and so just naturally kind of these event based uh motivations Obviously, people will give up once the event kind of occurs. Um, but talk more about the, uh, the these fads and, and how kind of um, they either work or don't work, and and, and why they attract people and, and kind of capture the attention and, and really kind of permeate through society as you know whether it's uh, keto or something else. Yeah, so I think if you look at any diet du jour, there are commonalities and. Typically, to some degree, uh, there's a short-term result that can be felt or achieved if someone adopts it. So they get that early dopamine hit that they're getting some sort of success. It could just be water loss, or it could actually be a little bit of fat loss, or it could be they stop eating things that are pro-inflammatory to them, causing them to bloat up, feel like crap, or, or anything else. Uh, combined with a relatively poor base of like how people get most of their nutrition information is from sort of so-called mass media who really uh, largely don't know what they're talking about when they throw out the study shows this or whatever. And you just take one look at the study and you know, man, uh, this is scary. And people will send me those all the time and say, could you debunk or, or back this up? But I think it's that desire to be on top of the next best thing combined with the people who typically popularize not all of those eating formats uh, are trying to monetize or build a, a sort of a following around what they're doing. And I think that's the, that's the real catch, particularly when one group or other begins to polarize politically against one of the others, which is just absolutely nuts. If you actually look at most of the successful eating formats, the commonalities, just like us traveling the world, 
and meeting other cultures and people, the commonalities far outweigh the differences, which is pretty much eat whole foods uh, wherever you can. Don't eat too much. Don't eat in a way that's going to make you inflamed, uh, inflamed, completely screw up your blood sugar and make sure you tick off your micronutrient bases, whatever that looks like for you. And the, the commonalities are really high, but I, I have no idea. And it's quite frustrating, man, why some of these items get politicized and people start going at each other's throats when it makes no sense. But one thing on your point about people deciding I'm going to go to wedding or I'm going to go spring break. Um, I think they take ownership of their health and particularly as it represents around physical appearance in a way that they may not otherwise, but what they do in that short period isn't effectively sustainable for them. So I think embracing this principle, no shortcuts, no hacks. Uh, it's the daily habits that ultimately will get you there. And you don't actually need to do too much to end up with a very, very different health outcome. And in particular, with sort of physical appearance, it's surprisingly easy to maintain a relatively low body fat percentage and a reasonable amount of muscle with not a huge amount of effort. Like the, the actual amount required to do that is far, far less than people think if you're, you're lining up those different buckets. And just like you're saying, the sleep, the eight hours, the drink enough water, the consistent bed, just ownership around um, eating a bit more cleanly, still have your beloved dominoes, but maybe it's not dinner every day and maybe it's just on the weekends. You just These little things that's done consistently add up. I mean, no one gets to 70 and dies because of what they did when they were 69. It's the cumulative insults uh, that are just part of uh, continually, man. So I think with this growing interest, both from our incredible baby boomer population, where we're looking at the write-off of biggest write-off of intellectual capital uh, that the earth has just ever seen as this group of people march towards Alzheimer's and dementia and all sorts of craziness. Uh, I think more and more people in that group are taking more and more ownership, which is wonderful. And more people are interested in a happier life and not wasting their life. And they're realizing that means owning some of these different pieces as opposed to just saying that maybe they're important, actually taking steps around ownership of the different pieces. So I applaud you, man, for moving from the the, the beer and burger only nutrition piece to focus. I mean, sleep's the big daddy, man, as well. Yeah, it, it feels like um, there's also this uh, desire to go from, uh, if you use that spectrum or that kind of uh, you know, green to red um, uh, lever that you described earlier, a lot of people are in the red, right? So they don't sleep enough. They don't eat healthy. They don't exercise. They don't, you know, whatever, uh, stay up late on the computer, all that kind of stuff. And everyone tries to go from the red all the way to the dark green, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to do everything all at once. And, and I think that just, we know that uh, changing habits, right? It's very hard to change everything all at once. And so maybe talk a little bit, um, as you've seen people uh, who are customers of Athletic Greens and, and kind of transform over time, how exactly do you see the most successful people, like the people who really do make uh, kind of long-term sustainable change and, and go from you know really bad to uh, to really good? What, what do they do? Like, what what can people do at home um, in, in terms of affecting that change? So it's a good question, man. And typically, it comes down to which three key groups of where someone more aligns. Net, if it's a 
athletic population, they're already exercising a lot. They just typically might not have been doing the right things and the right doses. And also when you start to over-exercise, there is absolutely a trade-off between health and performance that um, I think they become aware of. And again, it's typically take more ownership of the different pieces that really matter. In the high-performer, hard-charging type A pumps of the world, the is literally they are they want the best they want it now they want it easy they want it simple they want to understand it they typically are the crowd that are looking for the hack or the secret source that allows them to continue to be maniacs in their life um, but do as little as possible and i think as they take steps towards a healthier outcome in in one area they they tend to consistently take one or other or more steps around other areas and one of the coolest things I've seen is groups like, you know, that, that sort of hard charger high achiever group is starting to realize that sleep is cool. And because man, cause I've been saying uh, food is first sleep, sun exposure community for 10 years. And now that, that people are pulling out the aura or the whoops and measuring their sleep and it's starting to become cool. Um, like that that piece alone is just so huge for that particular population because they tend to just overclock on the burn right that they're taking the that they're taking the deposits out of the bank account just way too much and then the the last group the health group typically um these folks are they could be anywhere in this journey from i just want to not feel sad every time i walk past a mirror which is something like i have a, I was a personal trainer for a while this is brutal but it's also amazing when you get someone to look in the mirror and go i'm really happy with how i look in the mirror it's one of the biggest uh, confidence turnarounds that you can you can be a part of so i think when people come in on that journey I, I don't mind where anyone comes in all i ask is that you're taking ownership for your health and you're not looking for a silver bullet and uh, yeah, I found it best adopting key habits. You don't want to slam everyone with all the habits all at once. It's what are the key habits that we can start to move the needle on. And typically, man, it, the, the biggest one is um, like for the absolute bottom bones beginner, typically really struggling with, with body fat, uh, massively inflamed, don't move enough. Is It would be do something that makes you feel in control and empowered drink water, go for a walk and try to get an hour's more sleep. And I'd just start with those three things. And if, if we're part of that, great. But I always tell them if you have the choice um, for budgetary reasons or whatever other reason, then focus on food first, like get, get the whole food in first. Got it. And so that middle bucket, the, the kind of, you know, hard chargers as you described them, that's probably most of the people who listen to this podcast, that's the category that they're most likely to be in. Um, walk us through, uh, one, um, you mentioned a whole bunch of what I'll just call kind of analytics-driven uh, technology, right? So whether it's you put it on your wrist, it's on your bed, uh, it's on your phone in some sort of software, wh whatever it ends up being, what is the importance of that stuff or, or do you feel like some of that is uh, over rotation on trying to measure like the really finite stuff when people are still missing uh, kind of the big picture stuff? Like how do you look at those as uh, ways to augment uh, change for somebody? I think to the degree that it gives, if you're going to do any of the quantified self pieces, I think ultimately it needs to empower you and people can go down a rabbit hole pretty quickly. And it should also give you information that you probably you may have understood it to some degree without it, but it does give you actionable insights around 
oh my God, uh, look at that. And I think for this group, the like a pedometer that's just counting how many steps you do, that's great, but it's relatively simple. You kind of know if you've moved around to some degree, although I think it can be great to look at that. Um, so take like the past six weeks where I've had a tummy bug, like my average steps per day went from 12,000 to like under 2,000. And that's not okay. So just, just the consistent, again, the consistent habits piece. So if you take the hard charges, uh, I, I would love them to be tracking uh, their sleep, not because I think that they need to track the sleep, but the degree of ownership and responsibility that they will take when they start tracking their sleep, will, will it'll be slapping them right in the face that, hey man, uh, you sit at that screen, you crushed two glasses of red wine at 10 p.m., looked at the screen till 11 and woke up at 5.30 or 6. You compare that to uh, you finish work at five or six, went for a walk with your uh, you know, lovely, lovely wife, uh, chilled out, socialized, ate early, and just did nothing stim like stimulatory for the last two or three hours. And do that for a week and start to go, holy shit, man, do I feel better. Um, I'm waking up feeling like a rock star. My libido is starting to come back. All sorts of things will start to line up when when people take those. So I I go back and forth because there are some people who go way down the rabbit hole, man, and they're always looking for the little the little the the different hack, the different this, the different that. But I think the key around this piece is taking ownership, uh, making some things non-negotiable. Even for me, I am definitely in that category as well. And just over the last three or four years has just made the sleep piece non-negotiable. So obviously if you're flying uh, or doing something else, you try not to get on the red eyes. If you have to, so be it, but just start to build in this, like defend your sleep habit and make this piece to something you own left, right and center and just watch the magic happen when you go to that eight hours consistent every night. As a habit, man, that, that literally smokes just about everything other than the stress piece. Yeah. And another key piece I think is, uh, cheat meals, right? I think everyone loves to, uh, to talk about them because it's the, it's the splurge, right? It's the thing that you get to do that, uh, it, you feel like you're almost rewarding yourself to, to some weird thing. Um, obviously every Saturday I'm eating Domino's, uh, which is kind of like literally I look forward to Saturdays for that specific reason. Uh, but talk about in general, you know, is this a, you gotta do, the core things right 50% of the time, 75% of the time, 100% of the time, like how important is it to be perfect all the time versus, you know, kind of pre-planned uh, diversions from the plan as long as you get back onto it? Yeah, so it's a really good question, man. So if you look at those different buckets and we can flip it into a business setup. So say if we're looking at contribution margin by channel, which I have a direct with consumer business, it's my preferred management tool for looking at how we're performing and you just consider okay, how did we go around um, customer acquisition on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. And you have these different columns that all kind of line up and you can look at these and go, net, net, um, we're, we're doing great, but there might be a few of these pieces that are getting crushed, that are pulling down uh, the rest of the ship, so to speak. And I think when you start to consider that, uh, that red or green um, that needle marker, as we discussed earlier, if you are consistently getting crushed in any one of those areas, you need to go really clean and beautifully in some of the other areas. So to answer your question about what's it like to have this thing to look forward and the cheat meals, I'm quite pro the cheat meal. I'm not pro when it gets crazy out of hand 
or it goes from being this um, like epic planned over a month uh, lineup and then people do it and they realize that they've been great for a month and nothing really happens because of that one insult it was just whatever and so you find that the next one happens not a month away but seven days away and the next one and back they go to the old habits i think that's one one piece the other thing is to understand I love pizza. Pizza was my ne ne nemesis food for years, man. We should do a, I, I'm really allergic to wheat, it turns out. So I have to always search the world for the best gluten-free pizza. But it used to be a pizza. I, my Saturday uh, was both carb-free feed, typically unless I was training really hard, in which case my my carb bolus during the week was, was much higher. But typically I tried to combine a so-called cheat day with a carb-free feed because I was going pretty low carbohydrate the rest of the week. And I tended to feel miserable for days and days afterward, but my two nemesis foods were the pizza and what you guys call dim sum, or we'd call yum chow back in New Zealand. Those two things. I got to the point that lunchtime, I'd rock up to my restaurant, favorite restaurant in Auckland. There'd be a queue of like 100 people uh, in, in line. The manager would see me, march me past the line, sit me down, because I would smash so much dim sum that I was like the ultimate dollars per table that they've just ever experienced. And they didn't know, man, that I'd been building up for this for a week. So I was training like a maniac. And then nighttime would be a pizza. That was kind of my, my role. Then I found out that this is that 90-10 principle that, that I mentioned. So if all your various um, buckets are kind of more or less in the green, occasionally going Wah! into the red is no real big deal at all. And I'd almost suggest that you do so much in the green so often that you don't even worry about planning the cheat meal. Like when it happens, it happens. You don't worry. You just enjoy it and just get straight back on the wagon. That would be a much healthier adoption of, of this piece. But take for me, I am really intolerant to wheat. And uh, that one dose, the rest of the week, I didn't eat any wheat, but that one dose a week was enough to really mess me up. And, uh, you know, if I, if I could go on my whole life knowing that I actually shouldn't be eating this particular food for me, because for me, it inflamed me and tore up my gut and everything else, then my life would be quite different health-wise, I think. And so it's just that understanding that uh, there's that saying everything in moderation, including moderation. And But as long as those things are in green and when you're stepping across and you're having things that aren't necessarily like in green in that bucket at that moment, it's no real drama at all. And for someone who can tolerate it, man, it might mean you toast the total the pizza whatever and it could be a social dynamic tied to that that net net is so much more positive than the little bit of insult you may do for you uh, with the pizza whereas i would do a lot to to make it completely worthwhile and i think that social piece is uh, and maybe, maybe it's something that happens when you go out it's like the drinking maybe without going too crazy this is one night a week where you're already getting together with your buddies or your family or whatever and your your italian extraction so i imagine family gatherings are still pretty epic and so what? You smash uh, a bit of alcohol and a whole ton of pizza and pasta in that moment. But the social dynamic, this net net is a positive for you. And just not even worrying about it probably um, does better for a lot of people. So the answer to that question, man, is it depends. Unfortunately, it's the case for nearly everything in health and nutrition. That's perfectly fine. Uh, one of the areas I'm really interested in is uh, obviously with uh, the COVID-19 stuff, uh, there's tons of talk about drugs and vaccines and kind of all this uh, stuff that may or may not happen. And you know, I'm not a scientist, so I kind of just say, look, we'll, we'll see what the scientists come up with. Uh, but there are things that it appears that people can do to boost their immune system in general, right? So not necessarily saying, hey, we're going to uh, prevent 
the spread of a virus because I boosted my immune system, but just general good health um, type of stuff. And, and so talk a little bit about uh, how you think of boosting the immune system. Uh, and then also uh, one thing you've mentioned a couple of times is sunlight and, and kind of the impact that um, that can have on people that they may not realize. Yeah, so I think to it's interesting, man, because in January every year, people have their New Year's resolutions, and anyone with a health and fitness related business has their bumper bumper month or two. And what happened with COVID kicking in is we had five or six Januarys back to back, and rather than pat ourselves on the back and go great job, we, we just realized it's people taking more ownership of uh, their health. And one of those pieces, obviously, is the immunity piece, and Hopefully, you know, there's a silver lining in some of the COVID stuff that people taking, there's more awareness about metabolic health and the daily inputs and habits and things that ultimately drive a healthy outcome. But from an immunity piece, if you are not in the green across the majority of all those different buckets and think that you're going to suddenly take uh, some zinc, some vitamin C and uh, and just rock it out, you're dreaming, right? Your, Your body works together synergistically it's a system and you you definitely want to be in the green uh for if you're trying to optimize your immunity and then there are some things that can boost immunity and i think sleep uh clean nutrition uh, something like our product you don't want to promote it too much but it does a great job of covering those bases and then the, the vitamin d piece and we we provide a vitamin d but i much like there's oral, there's benefits to oral vitamin D, but I much prefer folks at this time of year, there's no excuse unless you're just locked in an office and just can't get out to get your vitamin D from sun exposure. And that's not saying you go out and turn yourself into a, a red lobster, right? Or like the French call the English roast beef because they come in every year, sit on the beach and go bright pink, like the color of roast beef. And don't do that. That that will not result in a positive outcome. But incremental intelligent sun exposure, both getting light on your eyes and also um, our bodies are really well equipped to synthesize vitamin D from uh, skin to sun exposure, to me makes the most sense. And if you can't do that, then and only then do you look to supplement with uh, oral vitamin D. But I would much, much rather from all the different health elements of being outdoors, getting a light in your eyes, the photosensitivity, the immune boosting benefits are massive. And that, like that bucket, just put that one solidly in the green, particularly in the middle of, 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 of summer, man, there's, there's no, there's no real reason why, why you shouldn't go and do that. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, when people take athletic greens, what exactly are they putting in their body? Green gold. Uh, no, man. <laughs> so you have you have various parts of the body work in different ways. And you have, like I said, you can put something in your mouth. And you could not be putting enough in your mouth or you could not be absorbing it properly or could be misusing something in your body. So inherently, we're giving you a bolus of micronutrients that are with a ton of so-called phytonutrients and, and plant nutrients massively in one place along with and in the forms that your body uh, things that will help you absorb it so that's everything from we have probiotics we have digestive enzymes we have um, prebiotics we have the various cofactors and other things that are present in food that your body recognizes inbound uh, vitamins minerals as food and sucks them over so that's the 
in the in the tube and then absorb the piece. And then we have gentle touches uh, that sort of have secondary effects on improving bodily function um, with a view towards, look, get all your green buckets lined up, absolutely own that food piece yourself. There's no silver bullet. bullet. I know I've mentioned it a lot, man, but I, I do. It's important to me that people get it. And then give yourself this uh, daily nutritional insurance piece, which is sort of a hedge that maybe you're not getting in enough, maybe not absorbing it properly, or maybe for any number of reasons, uh, your body is not processing uh, some of those micronutrients. And the goal is sort of healthy cells. If you think about it at the end of the day, it's, it's what you absorb that really matters. It's how you use it and it's healthy cells is the outcome. And that is something that consistently, it's the habit piece again, it's day in, day out, consistent, give your body a caress, put a deposit in instead of withdrawal into this spectacular machine that is your body and just do it consistently. So that, that is kind of how it works, man. It's, it's a, it's a plant-based based product, but it's just got so much nutrition in one place. Uh, that it sort of acts as a hedge against any one of those three pieces. We spent a bunch of time talking about um, kind of the health and wellness aspect of what you guys do. Uh, I don't want people to uh, think that um, this is a small business. You've done a fantastic job of building a very large business. Talk a little bit about um, kind of the business side of what you're doing in terms of uh, you started you know, a number of years ago and kind of how the business has grown over time and, and really what's driven that growth uh, to build it athletic greens into what it is today. Yeah, thanks, man. The and inherently when I when I came up with the idea to formulate this ultimate all-in-one take it daily and be done uh, idea, I I thought I'm an athletic guy. This is for an athletic group of people, um, those who are already taking massive ownership around the health, and it's a greens-based powder. So I'm going to call it athletic greens, and off we go. So I, I merely marched to the U.S and promptly burnt through all the money I'd raised, royally pissed off uh, my then investor and business partner. As I found out, it's actually really freaking hard to sell stuff. But I knew that what we'd built was, um, I wanted to go direct to consumer. We didn't have the margin to make retail work. We, In fact, the first two advisors I said, said you just flat out don't have the margin to make this work retail, online, anywhere. Because I effectively super bundled and over-engineered a product without actually testing if this is something the market was willing to pay for. It was something I was willing to pay for, but it was uniquely designed uh, ultimately to be sold around a subscription direct to consumer model. And literally having run out of money and sleeping on couches and parting ways with my then investor and having a pretty challenging time uh, emotionally, just dealing with, not feeling sorry for myself that your life is kind of crap. I, I went all in on this focus on, look, when do I have the biggest impact in the universe? When, uh, when can I most help people and how could this all work? And I realized I want to work off the recommendations of other people who are, are telling folks to come and adopt this as a habit. And it's that habit adoption. So when people come in, adopt it as a habit, and they are in one of those sort of three buckets that I mentioned and obviously can afford us. We are, we are a premium price product. We actually had the lowest margins in supplement land. But what we found is that uh, these folks would, would stick and stick and stick. So it would be really, really hard to require the right customer. It's very hard to do so profitably at the best of times, but hard for us because we don't really have the margins. But when the right person comes, they tend to stay with us for a long time. And they trust us 
to continue to keep up to date on the science and everything else to evolve this if you're going to take one thing make it this thing and we're on the 53rd uh, edition of, of this product which is about to come out which is pretty cool so i think that for those people the fact that they stick around long enough despite the fact i suck at marketing i suck at nomenclature i made so many mistakes but the fact that we are something that's really good for people, really good for the universe has allowed us to attract really good quality people to the team. And when customers come for the right reason, like I said, silver bullet is not us. Then, and, and this is the habit that kind of matches with, with them, then they, they stick. And that allows us to make a business work that wouldn't have worked under any other condition because of the margins. So I, I look at what some of these folks are doing with various D2C companies where they're trying to just throw money into into acquisition and feel like they can sort of buy themselves away to a brand without ultimately solving problems for customers that customers want to be solved. And I, I think the investment world is waking up to maybe this wasn't such a good idea to spend a dollar and get 85 cents back and hope customers would come back. But like anything else, uh, you're either adding value, you're solving a problem, uh, or, or, or you're not. And it's that customer experience is the, the key driver and we are not an all things to all people product we are literally for those in those three buckets who want the absolute best um, that that's our that's our person and when they come in they, they stick so it's multiple years of those people sticking around and saying nice things that have led to us having the small amount of success if it's some pretty epic people on this podcast man so we're we're, we're a little minnow compared to some of your guests but we have ambitions to leave a nice dent in the universe. Well, I think part of this is um, the focus on acquisition versus retention, right? And, and ultimately for something like this, uh, I, I always think of um, whether it's something like the AirPods or it's a, a food and uh, kind of wellness uh, supplement, anything that you put in your body or near your body is a very intimate experience for people. Right. And, and you're probably one of the most intimate, which is basically the value proposition is you're going to drink this every single day. And so there's not much margin of error in terms of, you know, if it tastes great three days, but it tastes bad, you know, uh, the other four days of the week, not, that's not good enough, right? And so it's got to have kind of the consistent um, value that is, uh, is seen in the eyes of the customer and that ultimately leads to that retention. Um, and, and then it's interesting to hear you kind of talk about, you know, by not having really large margins, um, you, you really are dependent on the retention. Right over long periods of time, and and so talk maybe a little bit about um, you know from a metric standpoint, like how do you think about uh, retention and, and what's successful and what's not? Right, some people who are, are listening to this uh, may be um, like software engineers or, or entrepreneurs who uh, probably think of it differently than you would with physical products. So how do you think about that retention and, and kind of what works for you guys? It's not that different from folks who have say a, a SaaS business, and that. I mean, look, we, 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 you mentioned taste. Some people are going to love our taste. We work so hard on making what looks like green sewage water taste good without compromising. And it was really hard. And, but I, th I think we've done a great job. But again, for some people, it's just like, you know what? Not, not interested in this piece or I don't want to have a green powder or it's not matching for me or I want to feel more energy. I'll go back to red, but whatever. It, it, it's not really matter. but when they come for the right reason there's an inflection point which is pretty common in uh, the physical product space at or around that fourth order um effective churn or drop off changes dynamically and what what you've gotten to is the people who match to 
yeah, this habit is, is part of who I am and going forward, I see the value in continuing it. And there are others that come and go, come and go, come and go. But inherently, it's just understanding. We can't go everywhere. Uh, I can't compete with a lot of these people on acquisition span. We're a bootstrap company. The, the whole piece for us is how do we make <clears throat> our customers think they'd be crazy to go anywhere else and really look after them from a customer experience standpoint. And I think we do a, once someone's a customer of ours, I think we do a great job of delivering a great experience. But like I said, it's not, not for everyone. And we've tried in the past to be more aggressive in the throttle and realize we acquired a whole lot of wrong people. And I think your whole point that people focus on the acquisition piece instead of their attention piece does not work in our margin environment. And this allowed us to focus on driving enough failure in the customer experience that once people come for the right reasons, they've adopted that habit, which was way harder before when no one was smashing a green powder. Whereas now anyone with an Instagram account will see their favorite health and fitness bunny smashing green, green drinks left, right, and center, even though we're not technically a, a green drink. But the habit is the cultural habit around this new behavior is definitely moved to our favor. But, but yeah, man, it's just a focus on right customer, don't overpay, uh, take that slower growth and, and look after people. And again, I, I'm not trying to be all things to, to everyone. We're not going to come out with 400 SKUs and uh, we're going deep on, on that one value prop, which is if you're going to take one thing to feel awesome every day, take this. And I think just that focus on, on the retention piece and that customer lifecycle piece has actually led us to be very lean, very efficient, very capital efficient. Um, we have the we have the most horrible supply chain, man. We have well over 75 ingredients. Some of them are very specialized. Access to them is difficult. Uh, controlling the sourcing pieces is actually one of our key IP, IP pieces, but we have this brutal cash flow cycle. So that, that itself has led to a, uh, a focus on acquiring the right customers and, and then keeping them happy. But that compounds on itself, man. I mean, subscription billing, I, I think it was Edison said, uh, compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. You'd probably say, Bitcoin is the eighth wonder of the world. I'd probably go in for uh, subscription billing because as long as someone comes in the right reason and they're, and they're happy to be there again next month, you can make a heck of a lot of errors this month and live to, to live to tell the tale next month because that customer came back. And look, man, I, I think understanding that if you want to be in business, you want to be in the reorder business is the biggest failing I see most of the D2C players jump in and just ruin stuff with. And you can make a ton of money by just out executing everyone at the acquisition piece and keep people long enough that it drives enough profitability. And you can get really big. Like There are some players out there, man, making tons of cash. But are they building the business I believe is the what I, what I want to build now? Not, not really, not at all. That, that makes a lot of sense. What's the biggest lesson you've learned in building the company from like a management standpoint, right? Is you've been very successful, but I think that there's a lot of kind of business tactics lessons, but from a building a company, building a culture, um, you know, marketing, et cetera, you know, as the founder of the business, what's the biggest lesson that you had to learn? And I learned them all. I am more stupid than I realized is the biggest lesson. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I did a hundred meter sprint in a 90 meter gym, but not just once, like again and again and again and again. So I think the biggest error was I, when I, by the time I had athletic greens as my sole focus, I was nearly $5 million in debt for another business that had gone under. So I, 
I realized I have to make or break. I'm not in a hurry. Uh, but whatever happens, I can't die. So I think I didn't sell a big enough vision early or bring enough real rock stars to the table early. Like I almost over bootstrapped with myself doing way too much for way too long. And if I was going to go back and do it all again, it's very easy. I would sell a much bigger vision and I would bring seriously powerful um, rock stars to the table who have execution intelligence on what we wanted to do. And we frequently attracted really smart people, but often with absolutely no experience in what they were then going to be asked to do. And sometimes that's an advantage because someone comes up with a new different way of doing things, but more, more often than not, you just suffer as someone tries to figure stuff out. So those two pieces, man, the bigger vision um, and bring rock stars to the table early. Makes, uh, makes sense. And it also feels like, um, you know, it's obvious today, Rebbe, but uh, it sounds like you are of the belief that you have to go through the challenges and obstacles in order to, to learn those lessons. You just don't have to keep, I, I wish, I mean, I, I, one of my biggest drivers, Palm, I'd be curious to hear what, what your like, more internal drivers are, because you're obviously very smart, very capable, and you're doing what I most admire in people, which is you're literally creating your own reality around what's important to you. And I think it's one of the things I most admire about interesting people is whether you're a painter, an artist, um, an entrepreneur, an investor like yourself, you're literally just creating your own reality that empowers you and, and adds value and does the things that you want to do in the world. So I think for, for me, you have to go through a certain amount of pain. You definitely want to be innovative and be willing to take small punches in the face to figure out how things work. I think what you make non-negotiable in any given business activity and, and in life is ultimately what drives mastery. Like I, despite one of those first guys at the table had taken a company to $350 million and offered to turn around, plug us in the retail and introduce us to every um, head buyer or CEO at every major mass outfit in the U S but I, to make that off, to pull it off, um, he wanted to invest and I'd have to dumb down the formulation to the point that it gave us back industry acceptable margins. I said, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And just that sort of decision around, I just don't want to compromise on the ultimate customer experience around what we're doing. Uh, it was very expensive, made life really tough, but it's also the single biggest, smartest decision that we've, we've ever made. So that positive experience just slowly compounds on itself. And we want to build a, a brand that people love to talk about and love to be a part of for 100 years. That's, that's, the, that's the ambition. Yeah, I love that. It's always uh, it's always the decisions that uh, uh, end up being the long term ones that usually pay off. So that's awesome. Uh, I ask the same two questions to every person uh, who comes on, and then you'll get to ask me a question to uh, to finish up. Uh, the first is, uh, what is the most important book that you've ever read? Uh, that's a good one, man. I, very recently, I read a book called Essentialism by Greg McCowan. Okay. And uh, it is about the happiness that ensues when one truly focuses on what is ultimately most important to them and eliminates everything else. Uh, that is absolutely brilliant book. It speaks to how I recommend you focus your time, how I recommend you invest, how, what is good strategy for a, a company. And I found that unbelievably, uh, unbelievably useful. And it really spoke to me at the moment when I sort of, was stepping back and thinking what's our sort of next three to five year strategy as a, as a business. So I, I love that book as a, 
going to be top 10 lifetime and not everyone resonates as much as I do because I started saying this is the best book I've read and throwing it everywhere and some people came back and said this is amazing and others said yeah it sounds like common sense and a tonic and interestingly enough those who came back and said it sounds like common sense and a tonic are the ones who most need to hack away uh, parts of their life it's, and some of the people are really smart people and it's been fascinating yeah, that's all. I, I love uh, books specifically because one, it tells you uh, it's the book, the content, but also the time that somebody reads it, right? It can have a huge impact on, on the answer. Uh, and then um, when you give it to somebody, it tells you a lot about where they are in terms of their reaction, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think it's a, that's pretty cool. Uh, aliens, believer or non-believer? 100% believer. And, Why? and typically, man, like I'm sitting here looking at, I can't, there's a cloud on top of the hill next to me here. Otherwise I'd show you this epic green pyramid mountain. And so that, that's, that landed here somehow, but actually <laughs> it didn't. It's just a rock formation. No, why man, just balance the probabilities is takes you to some 99 point something percent likelihood. You have to, someone who thinks scientifically around the world has to have the balance of probabilities isn't a hundred, but that last jump is because I think the universe is more interesting if they're there. Yeah. I'm hoping so. Hopefully, I'm hoping so, man, we find the, them though. We, I don't want them finding us. Let's go find them. Well, it depends who it is. I mean, if they're like related to that Moroccan family who helped me out, I mean, come on down. I think the bigger issue won't be if, if they're there or not, is that we exist in the same, same time. Cause I mean, I don't know if you've seen um, Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson, but probably I don't watch much TV, but definitely the winner of the COVID TV season for me has been Cosmos, which is a series on iTunes. And he just, it's about four or five years old. So maybe some of the physics is dated, but it's pretty cool, man. He just talks about the mix and match between this amazing massive universe we have right here and that amazing monster universe we have out there. But every time I saw that, I kept thinking uh, of your big question on the aliens going, they must, they must. This place is massive. I, uh, I tend to agree. What, uh, what one question you have for me to, uh, to finish up? Yeah, so congratulations on becoming a newlywed. What Thank was you. it that made you realize this is the girl for me? Um, I don't think there's one answer, right? It, it, it's, uh, it, it's so weird. Um, think of it as a, a business partner to start with, right? In terms of uh, when you're picking a business partner, uh, what you end up picking is somebody who uh, you get along with, you have the same mentality, you probably have complementary skills, um, you think that they are uh, determined, persistent, you know, they're reasonable, they're a sound decision maker. Like there's all these things that go into picking a business partner, right? Then when you're uh, picking a wife, right? Uh, it's all of that on like times, you know, 100,000 X uh, steroids, right? And, and um, it, it really is uh, one of these things where uh, the first time we met, it was just very obvious, I think, to both of us, like, we're going to go like hang out more. And that person is unlike other people that I've met. And, you know, I, I could sit and try to like pinpoint exactly what it was or, um, you know, what I thought. Frankly, I don't really remember like walking away being like, oh, it's because of this one quality that this person has. But it was just more of, um, you know, I spent my entire life really living by one principle, which is the goal is just to be happy, right? And if I do something and I'm not happy, I literally just wake up one day and say, I'm done, 
right? And, and people don't like that because it feels very um, kind of flighty, right? But at the same time, I, I just, uh, I always think of, um, have you ever seen the movie, uh, I think it's called In Time with uh, Justin Timberlake? Yes. Right, where he's got like the time on your arm and basically when the time runs out, you die, Dying, right? Yeah. And, uh, and it's a, uh, you know, it's not an A plus uh, acting movie, right? So if you're a cinematic <laughs> expert, it's probably not the one that you're going to gravitate towards. Uh, but the message in the movie is very much, you know, the rich people have all the time, right? The poor people don't have time. Um, and basically they go to work and they're literally given time uh, to kind of extend to, to the next time that they go to work. And so you just like, there's a lot of metaphors in that movie that I think are really interesting because what it reminds you is uh, ultimately like that is the currency right, is time. Uh, and so who do you want to spend your time with? What do you want to spend your time doing? Like all of these things are important. And uh, I think Plin and I just, you know, over the years, it was very obvious, like we are super, super aligned on, you know, all of the important things. Uh, if you asked her this question, she would say, uh, we have different skill sets. I don't know if she would call them complimentary. Uh, I probably annoy the hell out of her sometimes and, and, and all of the normal stuff. But uh, I think that's really it, right? It's just, uh, you know, finding the person that um, yeah, you genuinely feel like, hey, this is my best friend. And uh, we think similarly, we have the same types of goals and uh, we're happy together, right? That was a pretty slight answer for a Bitcoiner who believes in aliens, man. Well done. <laughs> well, I know she's going to watch this, so I got to say all the right you, things, right? No, you, you crushed it, man. You're looking good for Saturday night. But my dad always said to me, your single biggest decision in life is going to be who that, that partner. And he's been a lifelong mentor for me. And I was lucky to grow up in a family dynamic where my parents were very much loved my my whole life. So I always admire folks, like I said, who create their own reality, man. And I think that was an outstanding answer on on choosing the right partner because you want a happy life, go, go make it happen. Absolutely. I'm a big believer that uh, you can create the world that you want. Where can we send, uh, where can we send people to find you on the internet uh, and find out more about athletic greens if they want to, uh, to try it out? Sure, man. I don't really tweet. I have a Twitter account, but I don't really use it much. But Athletic Greens is at athleticgreens.com. Uh, but we'd love anyone wants to come give us a try, who wants to take that ownership and realizes there's no silver bullet, it's the habits that count. Come come play. We'd love to have you. But any questions, if you want to go uh, Chris the Kiwi at Chris the Kiwi on Twitter, I'll, I'll respond to anything you guys fire up. It's cool. Awesome, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for doing this. You've built a, uh, an amazing company and uh, we will have to do this again as you guys uh, keep pushing forward. Thanks, Pomp. I appreciate the friendship, man. I really appreciate you having me on and thank you for your kind words. Absolutely.